What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 140 presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I'm sitting here slowly but surely waiting for the announcement of a Juan Soto trade. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And he looks like he wants to take every bit of technology in his house and throw it out the window. Frank, how you doing? You nailed it on the head, VP. You nailed it on the head. I'm doing okay. If you had... If you had like a dummy right next to you, like a football dummy that you used to like tackle and whatnot, or like a gym bag, how many times would you punch it right now? A lot, a billion. You're mad. Oh yeah. What Mads makes? Even worse. Why are you like? Are you are you more mad at that, or I don't like your all your favorite sports teams for the most part stink, along with mine, of course. I'm not. No, I think I'm more mad at this because it's yeah. just it's just irritating. Technology's got you by the balls, and then right. And then there's like nothing you could do about it. We've said it a thousand times. It's got you by the balls. It's so annoying. It is annoying. Well, Frank, you're here. If at any point you have to go address something, it is totally understood. I, the show will go on. Um, but hey, until that point comes, let's have a little fun, Frank. Let, let's get you back in that that typical normal mood that makes Frankie Mueller so well liked by all the people that are surrounded by him frequently. Like myself, Frank, talk a little puck, period number one. Welcome to period number one, where I'm totally not going to make fun of Frankie's technology situation for the next 45 (laughs) minutes, because, you know, (laughs) karma never really works out in your favor when you make fun of other people's technology. Do you remember the point before we get into actual puck? There was a point where you had the worst internet connection on on xbox this is long before either of us had are the girlfriends and before anything like before you you might have not even had like a deep voice yet you might have still been squeaky bean back when that happened i was running like four megabytes your internet was trash you bought your freaking router at kmart or some shit you could only have had like two people on the internet at once so if i was like playing xbox and i'd open up my laptop to do something it would start lagging because we're like exceeding the amount of gigabytes or megabytes download speed that the router was capable of producing. So that's why it was so bad. And then if for a minute you had like the best internet. Oh yeah. I I think our internet's fantastic. That's really not the problem here today, but well, people in the chat kind of like angry Frankie. Well, I don't like angry Frankie. Travis says Frank smash and Caitlin says, I like angry Frank care to respond. I mean, it's a different side of me, that's for sure. I just, this technology is really annoying. Yeah, not many things really annoy, like, Frankie too hard. Like, what what really gets your blood boiling like that? Because you, you've been the go-to, like, hey, I'm going to call Frankie to help me with my stuff, technology. Stuff I can't fix really gets me going. Um, Because I feel like I should be able to fix it. But then I hate when I know there's a problem. And you go to like talk to like support or something, and they run through all the BS. Well, did you try unplugging it? I'm not contacting you if I didn't try unplugging it, or I didn't do this, or you need this. And then I hate like them telling you there's a guarantee that if you do this, it'll fix it. Like they said, hundred percent. And when you do it, it doesn't happen. Like that's what gets me irritated. So you were on the phone with someone, presumably trying to help you fix the problem that you're dealing with. And they, uh, it, that does annoy me too. Well, did you try turning it off? And do you think I'm dumb? 
Do you like what do you think I'm doing here? But and I guess it's probably just protocol. But and then I got a response saying, if you do this, it's a hundred percent gonna work. And I said, Well, what if it doesn't work? They said, No, it's a hundred percent. I do it and it doesn't work. Well, shove that hundred percent right up your ass then. Wow. He's going. Tom, so Tom says anger is a good release. Do you agree? It is. It feels good to get this out. Hey, I go on a couple rants every now and again on this show. Most of them are out of anger, so I, I'm here. I'm here for it. Um, Caitlin wants to know if we'll be discussing the Times Person of the Year. I, I'm assuming that's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift did, as of today, become the 2023 Person of the Year via Time Magazine. My favorite part. So I love Taylor Swift. I'm a huge fan. Um, I like her music. I like her personality. She kind of has like a fu edgy attitude. I've always loved that about her. She's not your typical pop star in terms of like just kind of always being like a bubbly person. Like she wears outfits that like send messages to like Kanye. She had one of her outfits at the Aero store was like a snake outfit. And that's because she refers to Kanye and Kim Kardashian as snakes. Like genius, genius, genius hatred. I love hatred. I love anger. I love holding a grudge. Taylor's great at all those. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about football in it, though, and I think that's outstanding. <laughs> she said that she's been missing football her whole life, and now that she's with Travis, she realized how awesome football is. Are you happy to have Taylor in the football community? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. It, it goes hand in hand. If you're dating a football player, you're you're in the football community, right? So it's like, I'm indifferent. Yes, I think it brings more eyes to football and I think it brings more eyes to sports in general, too. And you are going to see soon this will happen in 2024. You will see Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey at a press box at the United Center to watch Connor Bedard. You think so? Travis Kelsey is obsessed with Connor Bedard. He talks about him on their show every single week. Really? Every single week. He loves the Blackhawks and he loves Connor Bedard. You will see our girl Taylor at the United Center soon. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And we will be here to talk about it. Love Taylor Swift. Um, love Travis Kelsey. Person of the year. Well-deserved Taylor. I mean, well-deserved Taylor. Few people deserve the honor more. I mean, who impacted, like, you know, the good part of living life, like culture and, you know, fun stuff more than her? Yeah. I mean... She was the most listened to on Spotify. By far. And she's probably got like a three or four year run coming, I think. Because she's not the number one artist on Spotify every single year. She kind of like took over like since, kind of since, I would say since Red Taylor's version came out. Is when she started to go like extra hard. Mm -hmm. And then Midnight's came out. That album has, you know five or six number one hits on it i mean good for taylor man good for taylor we like taylor yeah i mean i'm indifferent travis says i couldn't care less about taylor swift well start listening to her music you'll feel different you like a couple you like a couple couple of songs yeah hell yeah there's nothing not to like that's my thing like you don't have to like love her the way i do but like there's nothing not to like and she's kind of like she reminds me of like I don't know, just the way she doesn't, like Tom Tom says it perfectly, she definitely doesn't take crap from anyone. That's outstanding. I love that. It's inspiring. So, you know who else is inspiring? Mm. The Yotes. The Arizona Coyotes are a complete wagon. They're a wagon. The Yotes are a wagon. They 
are unreal. What are your thoughts oh, yeah. on the Yotes? You know, the, car, the, the, the Coyotes' hard work for the rebuild that they've been going through the past handful of years, starting to pay off a little bit. Still got a long ways to go, but right now the rookies and young players are starting to show off what they really can do. The Coyotes are currently in the middle of a five-game win streak. Did you know, I have to bring this up, this was this blew my mind. You're smiling because I think you know what I'm going to say, maybe. The I wrote Coyotes, a whole-ass article on it. <laughs> the Coyotes are the first team in NHL history to beat the last five Stanley Cup champions. In a row. I think, yeah. Which is that that just blew my mind because like that is it's all it almost seems near impossible. Um, but during that five game win streak, right? They beat Vegas, Tampa Bay, Colorado, St. Louis, Washington. If you didn't know, those were the last five Stanley Cup champions. They have only given up five goals though in that stretch and re have recorded two shutouts, with one of them coming against the Vegas goalie night. So those are truly impressive stats right there. They're playing phenomenal. Their two most consistent players all around on the team this year have been Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. Michael Cerrone and Lawson Krause has been exceptional as well. And you know, let's not forget about Logan Cooley. He's done some pretty amazing things this year too. Um, but let's also give some credit to the defense, who's been exceptional lately. Matt Dumba, Josh Brown, Travis Dermott, Troy Stetcher, Sean Jersey, you know, Yanis Moser. I mean, all these guys have been great. The goaltending has been great from Connor Ingram. I mean, if you the type to get the type of production you're getting out of out of Connor Ingram for only playing 45 games in the NHL has been remarkable. And Ingram was very good last year, despite giving up a, up a lot of goals. But his stats last year indicated he was a pretty good goalie. He just didn't have that good defense that we're seeing this year in front of him. So props to the Coyotes, who still have a lot of work to do, but they're developing nicely thus far. They absolutely are. And they have a couple of really good prospects that aren't in the NHL. Obviously, Logan Cooley, if the season ended today, he'd probably finish top five and call their voting. He's not amongst their leading scorers. I think he's like sixth on the team in scoring. But it's very hard for a rookie to like lead a team. Like he's putting up exact, he's putting up high end rookie numbers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he's just absolutely unreal. I do want to say this. If you learned about the last five wins for the Arizona Coyotes the way that I did, your mind would have been even more blown. So I saw it after four that it was the four most recent Stanley Cup champions. They had beaten um, – they had beaten – no, they had beaten the Vegas, Blues? Colorado, um, oh. Vegas, Colorado, Tampa Bay, and um, St. Louis. And it was the four most recent Stanley Cup champions. And I was like, okay, who would the fifth be? Who would the fifth be? Oh, yeah, the Capitals. They won it in 2018. I go and look at the schedule. And the next game that the Coyotes are playing is against the Washington Capitals. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I can't believe it. And then they have a 5 nothing lead over those Capitals after the first period. And they finally they they, completed it. That is unbelievable. Do they play the Penguins next? They play the Penguins soon. They don't play them next. They play Philly next, oddly enough. Could you imagine? Yeah, I, yeah that would be wild. <laughs> Just kept going. They play... Hold on. I, I'll get you. They play – where are the Yotes? They play the Flyers on Thursday, and they play the Bruins on Saturday, who, you know, the streak is about to end because the Flyers aren't yeah. the sixth most recent Stanley Cup champion. But I think it would be funny if they extended it to the Bruins. So, oh, they, Then they play the Sabres. So, yeah, they have the Penguins soon, though. Um, but I do think it was funny. It's just a scheduling thing. 
The reason nobody's done it is because nobody's probably even played the five most recent Stanley Cup champions five straight times. You get what I'm saying? But even if you did, winning all five of those, those are good teams. Yeah. And you know what? All five of them, even to this day, even Washington has a little bit left from their Stanley Cup teams. Not a lot of it. I mean, obviously, Washington still has Ovechkin and Oshie and Carlson. Uh, the they're probably the least, the most diminished of all the Stanley Cup champions, you know, and that the Coyotes played. But the Blues still have some of their guys. Obviously, Tampa Bay has their entire Hall of Fame core, and then Vegas and Colorado still very much intact as well. So mm-hmm. impressive little run for the Yotes. I think they're outstanding. You touched on their leading scorers. They're going to get a new arena, and that makes me. So happy, and I'll tell you why, Frank. I'm not an Arizona Coyotes fan. I love every team in the NHL. I know I make fun of the Rangers. The Rangers need to exist, though. I love every team at the end of the day. The NHL is very important to me. I want every single one of these teams, including the ones that are rivals of my New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Islanders, the Carolina Hurricanes, probably the four biggest rivals of the Devils. I want all of them to thrive in their market and have good players that make kids in those markets want to play hockey. I loved that the Final Four last year was basically, it could be the college football playoff based on the cities. You know, it was North Carolina and Florida, right, in the conference mm-hmm. finals. And then the Eastern Conference, or the Western Conference finals was was in Dallas and Vegas, right? And, yeah. you know, so it could have been easily like Texas A&M, um, Nevada, Clemson. Florida State, like all those schools, you know, all these crazy places that are football places Mm -hmm. are, you know, investing heavily in hockey. I don't believe Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews without the Yotes. I truly don't. Um, You know, I want them to stay in Arizona. I want little boys and girls to watch Logan Cooley and to watch Clayton Keller and be like, wow. The Yotes are awesome. They need to stay in Arizona, and I'm super thrilled to learn and announce, if you haven't heard, they are getting a new arena. There is plans to announce groundbreaking um, in the next couple days, and they tweeted new arena eyeball emoji today. So a new arena is coming for the Arizona Coyotes. It's funny that they play at a college rink. It's probably this year and next year and potentially the year after that they are playing in a mullet arena. Um, You don't want an NHL team hosting playoff series, though. Not long term. Less than 5,000 people. Like, if the Coyotes make the playoffs this year, and I do think it's possible. I'm not, like, sitting here saying, like, I'm Mm -hmm. predicting it or anything. But, you know, and I'm going to walk back a take on the Central Division in a couple seconds here after, you know, doing some serious watching this weekend and all sorts of studying and some notes that I've taken. But, man, the Yotes, they absolutely could be a playoff team. It kind of depends on how Winnipeg plays the rest of the yep. season and how St. Louis plays the rest of the season. There's all sorts of, um, you know, different scenarios that'll help or hurt the Yotes. But as of right now, they are good, and I'm damn happy about it. I mean, very well said, VP. I love expansion. You want to put a team in Atlanta, Salt Lake City, Quebec City? It decreases your favorite team's chance of winning the Stanley Cup. But guess what? I want more people liking hockey. I want more people to like hockey. And, you know, I don't like relocation. My heart is broken for people who have relocated. The Oakland A's are leaving Oakland. I hate that. 
That pisses me off. I love Vegas. I want Vegas to have a Major League Baseball team. I would have much rather seen them expand there instead of moving a beloved franchise, an old franchise. There's an A's player in Field of Dreams, you know, mimicking players from 100 years. I mean, it is just nasty. I, you know, and I know they weren't in Oakland forever, but like that, the Bay Area deserves their sports teams. It's not their fault that the owner's an idiot. And the same would be said for Arizona. And that's Gary Bettman's baby, even more than Vegas and Seattle. Well, they're not going to relocate. No, I don't think so anymore. I, I did think so for a minute. Not if they're getting a new arena. No, no, no. But if you ask me when we first started this podcast, or maybe even like a year into it, then you think the Arizona Coyotes ever relocate? I, I, I think I would have said yeah. Like Houston, Salt Lake City, one of those Western cities that yeah. would, you know keep them in the Western Conference or whatever. Or you could move them over to Quebec or Hartford, and you know move the Red Wings back west or the Blue. No, the Blue Jackets will always be east going forward. Ohio's an eastern state, but like the Red Wings could have came back west. You could have sent you know a couple other teams out to the Western Conference. Um, but I mean, happy for the Yotes. Long good winning streak here. Good players. This Clayton Keller, man, he's unbelievable. Seventh overall pick back he's when. very good. You know, people forget when Jack Hughes was coming up, and Jack Hughes had – his hype was a tick below Bedard, right? He wasn't as, you know, taking over as Connor Bedard, but it was close. I, mm-hmm. would, pro- I would probably rank Hughes third or fourth. It's either him or Matthews for third as the most hyped prospect since we started watching hockey. He was right up there, and he broke Clayton Keller's records for the National Development Program. So, good player. Coyotes are a wagon. They're 13-9-2. and two. They have a run of winnable games here. I know it's uh, obviously that Bruins game is going to be really tough for them, but they beat the Bruins last year, um, and it's a matinee game in Boston, so you can watch that on Saturday. But um should be interesting to see how they do the rest of the season. Now, Frank? Another player that I wanted to talk about is my guy, Sid. Sidney Crosby has been as good as I've ever seen a 36-year-old in the NHL. The Sidney Crosby era has more behind it than in front of it, which is really sad to say. I've been a huge Sidney Crosby fan. I have Penguins jerseys. I have Penguins t-shirts and hats. I'm not a Penguins fan. I'm not a Yinzer. I, I love Pittsburgh. It has grown. It's probably one of my five favorite cities I've ever been to. But it might even be, it might be number two, not including Chicago. Uh, I, I love the Twin Cities. I love New York too, obviously. But the, the Yinzers, they have my heart forever. And Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are a big part of that. He's been unreal. He's over a point per game, and their power play sucks. Can you imagine what this guy's points totals will look like? If the Penguins can like figure out their system on the power play and not be so putrid, I'm interested to see what you're feeling about Sidney Crosby. 23 of his 26 points are at even strength. That's crazy. That's to be over point per game and have three power play points. He's second in the league in even strength points per game. You know who's first? His line mate, Jake Gensel. So Mm. interesting times for Sid, the kid, and the Penguins. Yeah, you know, he's continued to score, like you said. Compared to the beginning of the year, there's been a little drop back in terms of scoring, but I think that's also because the Penguins as a whole has been lacking scoring this as well this year. I mean, the other night, Crosby had the only goal of the game against the Flyers, so he's up to 15 goals, 11 assists on the year, but the really the rest of the team is 
lacking that spark. I mean, the way they looked the other night in that three-on-three overtime was just shambolic. The power play is bottom three in the NHL. Yeah, I saw it was just. That was some of the worst hockey I've ever laid my eyes on. I mean, you're just chasing pucks when you shouldn't. I mean, the power play percentage, you're bottom three in the NHL. Well, if you're. When you really think about it, right, no one ever goes super far in the postseason or even far in the regular season if you have a bad power play. I mean, power play is like what wins and loses your game. So you're bottom three. That's not going to do too well for you. You you had a pretty good offseason or so we thought. So you thought the power play would improve, I mean, a little bit, not 30th in the league. But, I mean, it hurt a multiple of two teams last year in the postseason a well people teams that struggled on the power play in the postseason I mean you really didn't go anywhere but they probably won't even make the playoffs because all the issues right now this team has but you never know they need to make changes obviously Eric Carlson wasn't enough they need to bring in some youth they look slow and it really showed in that three-on-three OT the other day players are getting lazy chasing for the puck they're giving up too many odd man rushes and they're getting burned for it like hockey is a game of chess you have to be patient and strike when the time is right. And the Penguins are just getting lazy and fed up with their poor play this season. And it's just showing and their decisions are making on the ice and it's really hurting, hurting them in the standing. So yeah, this team needs to be better. I mean, Sidney Crosby has been the best part of this team all year and it's saying a lot out of a 36 year old. Yeah, for sure. And the, the big five on, on the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Russ, and Eric Carlson. They all have a lot of points. You know, Carlson has 19, Rust has 20, Malkin has 21, Sid has 26, and Jake Gensel has 28. Um, I think Crosby will lead the team in scoring by the time the year is over. Evgeny Malkin might even be in second, but Jake Gensel, he's right there too. I don't, like, he could score 40 goals easily. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off. Riley Smith has 13 points. Christopher Letang has 13 points. Um, And then a real drop-off is, like, where Lars Eller is next at eight, and then it's, like, the rest single digits, low point totals. They're an average team, right? They're not bad. They're going to win games because Sid and Jake Gensel. Now, I think if their power play were to heat up, then they'd really start rolling off some wins because the fact that they are, um, excuse me, they're 11, 10, and 3 for 25 standing points, and their power play is that bad. You're telling, like, if it got hot, if they found a way to get hot on the power play, they can rattle off two, three, four wins in a row, and they're 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 already right in this thing. They're two points out of a playoff spot. Um, it's absolutely, you know, a possibility for them. I don't love the teams that surround them in terms of, you know, I I, I don't love it for Pittsburgh because the teams that are surrounding them kind of on that bubble right now. Like, I feel this way about Tampa Bay and the Devils, which we'll get to the Devils later and Tampa, they both have kind of played like arse and are still right in the mix, where the Penguins kind of feel like they've overachieved and they're still not where they want to be. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes down for them. I will say this. If the Penguins make it to the playoffs, I think Sydney will be in Hart Trophy conversations, especially if he breaks 90 points, 100 points. He keeps up this pace. Yeah, and, you know, especially – if he p- keeps up this pace, I, I don't think it's possible to break a hundred points. If you're putrid on the power play, like I think McDavid led the NHL last year with like 80 something, even strength points, which is crazy to think about. Cause he had over 150 points in total. Mm-hmm. Like they were that good on the power play in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to be the case. So 
We'll see how it goes for Sid and the Penguins. Um, la two nights ago, excuse me. No, last night. Tage Thompson returned to the Buffalo Sabres lineup after what looked like a pr an injury that was going to keep him out for a while. Good to see him back. Buffalo still lost, though. Yep. He uh, Thompson missed the last nine games because of an upper body injury. Sabres are happy to have him back in the lineup going forward. Um, without Tage Thompson in the lineup, the Buffalo Sabres went 3-5-1. and one, and They've been a disappointment, but when he's not in the lineup, they're in an e even bigger disappointment. And they've uh, they sit seventh in the Atlantic Division. I thought my crazy hot take was that the Buffalo Sabres would make the playoffs, and we're like, well, is it really a hot take if they're going to be good? And we're like, well, for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years, yeah, it is kind of a hot take. And it looks like my prediction is going to be wrong as of right now. Before Tage's injury, he's having a pretty decent year, but it really wasn't helping the Buffalo Sabres out too much, but it does help them, help them a lot more when he's in the lineup. Through, the, through 16 games before he got injured, six goals and six assists. Now, that doesn't include yesterday's game where he compiled an assist, which puts him at 13 points in 17 games. And the Sabres ended up losing that game 5-3. But that's production that's good, but it's not Tage Thompson good, right? The Sabres are, will be looking for a bit more out of him going forward this year and hopefully help the, dig, help the Sabres dig out of this slowly growing bigger hole that they're getting themselves into. I mean, you look at the roster. Team has a lot of talented players on the roster. Casey Middlestat's great. Rasmus Dahlin's great, Jess Skinner, Alex Tuck, Owen Power, the list goes on. But if Thompson doesn't step up, the team around him doesn't get any better. And that proved um, that theory with their 3-5-1 record that they had without him, and they really couldn't win with him in the lineup. I mean, no one on this team is even point per game. I mean, I know not every team in the league um, has a player that's point per game. But the, they have plenty of talented, really good guys on their roster that can be and should be point per game. They just haven't proved that this, yet this year. And hopefully Thompson being back in the lineup rejuvenates them a little bit. But the Buffalo Sabres VP are in trouble, I think. Yeah, I think they're in trouble too. Uh, I think they're <laughs> cooked. I, I might have to agree. I'm sorry. It's a shame. It sucks because there's a lot of talent there. There's a ton of talent. But. You know, Devin Levi hasn't been the goaltender that we thought he was going to be so far this season. They called him up because of an injury, um, but they've been running Uko Pekalukanen and Eric Comrie. Yep. So we'll see what happens with Devin Levi. I'm I'm a huge Devin Levi fan. He was great last year. He was really good in college. Um, when the Florida Panthers traded him to get Sam Reinhart, though, I thought it was a good deal for them because, okay, you took Spencer Knight in the first round of the 2019 draft. The same summer that you, everyone and their mother knew that they were going to give Sergei Bobrovsky a billion dollars. And then in 2020, they drafted Devin Levi in the second round. And I was like, when they took Levi, I was like, okay, one of Knight or Levi are getting traded for help up front because they had a loaded defense. We knew at the time with Ekblad and whatnot. And, you know, all of a sudden they traded Levi for Sam Reinhart and it uh, worked out well for them in a contract year. What a player he's been. But, you know, for the Sabres so far, it just hasn't all come together this year. I really hope it does with this group because I want to see um, this Sabres group, this particular core, be the one that ends the drought for them. They will eventually make the playoffs, right? Like it, it's coming. They have a lot of it's young insane. players like Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, um, Tage Thompson. You know, all Dylan Cousins, all these guys are super young. They also have Zach Benson in the system, and I think he's hurt right now. But, like, when he comes, he was outstanding. He hit the ground running in the NHL 
it, he kind of slipped in the draft a little. He was my draft crush, to be honest with you, out of every player that's not like, you know, Bedard, Leo Carlson, and Fantilli. Beyond that, you like, you know, I had kind of two draft or three dra draft crushes. I was really into Benson. I was really into Will Smith, and I was really into Oliver Moore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those were the three guys that I was like, okay, I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know how NHL teams, but from my eyeballs, what my eyeballs are telling me is that I would take them fourth, fifth, and sixth. And, you know, lo and behold, it's really kind of holding up to be true. Now there's a long way to go before we see what happens. Oh, and I'm a big fan of Brindley too. I, he was one of my draft crushes too. He fell out of the first round even, and but he'll get to play with Fantilli eventually. But, um, you know, Horrible stuff from Buffalo in terms of on ice production. The fact that they've played 26 games really, really hurts them. Like they're only they're two points ahead of um, the Senators, and they're one point ahead of the Blue Jackets. And the Blue Jackets are the only team that um, has a lower points percentage than the Sabers. Like the amount of standing points you've earned per game played. Um, the Blue Jackets are a joke, though. They don't play their, you know, Goudreau and all these older players get a ton of ice time. And, you know, I, I hate their new coach. I know Babcock probably would have been just as bad, but Pascal Vincent playing all the veterans, like 21, 22 minutes a game, and Fantilli's on the bench, like, you know, same thing. Like, I just don't understand what's going on. They need to figure it out and let their young players play. The season's already lost for them. Freaking grow up, Columbus. <laughs> um, another superstar player. We've talked highly about him all the time. Victor Hedman, he has played in his 1,000th career game against the Dallas Stars a couple nights ago. I did find it funny that the Dallas Stars were defeated by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the bubble in the Stanley Cup final, and Victor Hedman won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Um, it's it's one of those. Did he win the Conn Smythe Trophy for that one or the one after? I think it was for that one, 2020. And Yeah, it was. And, you know, the Stars, they were the team on the other side when he played his 1,000th game. Victor Hedman is already a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, he's a little bit past his prime. He's not quite. He lost, like, he maybe lost, like, a quarter of a step from where he was three, four, five years ago. Um, but, man, it has it been a career for him. And I still think he's got a lot of really good hockey left in the tank. And as long as he's Tampa Bay's true number one defenseman, they have a chance to win every single game. Yeah, so he's the three hundred and eighty third player to play his one thousandth game, and I thought it was really cool that the Tampa Bay Lightning wore Hedman one thousand jerseys during pregame warmups, and I thought those jerseys were actually really cool. Um, in a thousand games, he's compiled one hundred forty eight goals, five hundred forty nine assists for six hundred seventy seven points, and points aren't everything, especially when it comes to defensemen. But those are some pretty impressive stats for a D man. He also won Stanley Cup twice, won the Conn Smythe Trophy, the Norris Trophy, on top of being an All-Star six times. It feels like Edmund just joined the league yesterday, and it's been more than 15 years. I mean, like, congrats to Victor Hedman. He's, all, like, to think about how many players, only 383 defensemen in the – 383 players to play a 1,000 game, the number for defensemen have to be a lot lower. But um, I don't know. How many players would you think played in the NHL? Tens of thousands, maybe, obviously, over the course I think, of the I think you could look it up. I tried to. I couldn't find it. But, to be, it but to be one of 383 to play 1,000 games, that's no easy feat to accomplish. So. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Um, let's see. Simon Nemich just made his NHL debut a couple days ago. 
and he was the uh, come on how come it doesn't say it uh, I thought it said it does say on some people's pages what number player in the league they were but um I don't know I'll figure it out I'll I'll come at you on that um at a different time um but yeah Victor Hedman he's been absolutely incredible I I think he's just going to walk into the Hall of Fame with ease and you know be a guy that you know when he retires he's going to have his number retired I don't know about a statue I also think there's something to they've lost in the Stanley Cup final twice and that means they made it to the Stanley Cup final four times in Victor Hedman's career. And, you know, I'm curious to know what people think. I know, like, Michael Jordan, he went 6-0 and in the um, NBA finals in his career. He's the GOAT. I'm not disputing the fact that he's the GOAT. But people, like, who clown LeBron James because he lost a couple finals, you know, would you rather him not make it to the finals at all? Uh, that's the thing I'm, you know mystified by sometimes but i really 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 am into the devils or not the devils excuse me the lightning and the way that they handle victor hedman um frankie he has left for a couple seconds here. he's got something to fix you heard us go on his technology rant earlier in the show he's got some stuff he's dealing with over there but um yeah victor hedman he's just been absolutely incredible I watch this guy play and just the way he makes breakout passes and, you know, the lightning, they surrounded Victor Hedman after making him the second overall pick in the 2009 NHL draft. They took Stamkos a year earlier at number one in the 2008 draft. You're putting Victor Hedman in such a position to succeed. Eventually he becomes their power play quarterback and he's feeding one timers over to Steven Stamkos on the right side, and he's got Nikita Kucherov on the left side. And, you know, throughout the years, there's been guys like Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat and Alex Killorn. You know, all those guys have moved on. Um, Yanni Gord. Um, there were even points where he played with, you know, some guys, Marty St. Louis, all these different players that, you know, came through Tampa Bay while Victor Hedman was there. It's hard to say he's not one of the greatest players to ever put on a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. And, you know, it's just been a pleasure to watch for all these years. I I hope that Victor Hedman has a lot of hockey left in the tank. I think he does, right? Like, he doesn't really show much sign of, like, decline. Like I said, he probably lost maybe, I don't know, a fourth of a step from where he once was. But, you know, I'm looking right now on capfriendly.com. And I want to see exactly how much time that Victor Hedman has left on his contract. So, yeah, Victor Hedman has two years, including this year. So after next season, he will be an unrestricted free agent in his age 34 season. Um, I'm not certain that that's not going to be the end for Victor Hedman. He's not going to sign a eight-year deal worth you know $10 million or anything like that at 34 years old. But if he got a two-, three-year deal worth three-, four-, five schmil, I think there's a real chance that, you know, he can end his career on a high note and really just kind of play at a high level for his entire career. So that's always fun. I'm super stoked to, you know, have watched that out in that game. He didn't collect a point, but he was named the first star of the game. The Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars for nothing. So it's been a really, really good time. 
Oh, and Vasilevsky's back. Um, while we wait for Frankie to come back, I do think it's kind of funny. After the game, Andre Vasilevsky was doing his post-game scrum. And if you've seen this or if you haven't, go watch it right now. Um, not right now, but when the show's over, go watch it. You'll find it on Twitter. Um, I shared it from Puck Pros' Twitter account, Puck underscore pros. Um, someone was talking to him, and in, in the break in the, the talking, someone farted. And Andre Vasilevsky, who is a two-time Stanley Cup champion goaltender, Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. Um, you know, he does that thing before the game where he does these eye exercises. He's just super locked in and focused every single time. Um, he could not stop laughing at this person doing or the fact that they farted. And it was just very, very funny. I think the way that he, he just lost his mind farting or because somebody else in the scrum farted it was just one of the funniest things Bucci had a hilarious tweet too after the game um you know about how farts are just always like the the little thing that'll always get somebody to laugh they're the ultimate giggle machine and I couldn't agree with that more so shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning um it's kind of a long-winded way of talking about Victor Hedman in his 1,000 career games but he does deserve the talk um shout out King in the chat any good bets tonight in the NHL? I'm leaning Golden Knights tonight. Um, yeah, so I can go through and make picks in every single game because we lost Frankie for a minute. He'll be back. Um, you got the Dallas Stars taking on the Florida Panthers. That is a very intriguing matchup. It's on TNT. You have the Dallas Stars who came off that drubbing from the Tampa Bay Lightning that we talked about with Victor Hedman, you know, reaching his 1,000th career game. I like the Panthers at home in this one. I really, really do. They are firing on all cylinders right now. They really have been unstoppable since kind of starting the season crappy. Over the last handful of games, they have just been a, a menace to the league. So I actually like the Florida Panthers against the Dallas Stars tonight. Um, in the second game, I guess it's not at the same time, the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we just talked about for a little minute there. I like, ooh, this is a pick them. They're both, they're both 11 regulation wins, 10 regulation losses. The Penguins have lost three in overtime or a shootout. The Lightning have lost five in an overtime or a shootout. I think the Penguins are going to win the game. I really, really do. I don't know why. The Lightning have been better lately. Um, they're the team that I think gets in and wins this game. Sidney Crosby, as we talked about earlier in the period, has just been absolutely incredible. And this is the game, there's so much talk. Whenever there's so much talk about something, I feel like it goes in the opposite direction in sports. So that means the Penguins are, you know, that team right now that I think could go in and kind of get their power play going. Right, Everyone's talking about their power play. They have missed on 30 straight man advantages in the last handful of games. I don't know how long this 30 streak ends or goes, but um, they are in desperate need of a power play goal. And I think it'll start really kind of going in the right direction for them if they are able to get it done against the lightning. So hopefully they score a power play goal tonight. The penguins, that's my pick in that game. Um, he asks about the golden Knights. He's leaning golden Knights over the St. Louis blues. St. Louis is a pesky team, man. St. Louis knows what they're doing, 
And they kind of came into the year, Frank and I discussed. I always thought the Blues, I thought they were going to stink, to be honest with you. I thought they'd be right down there with Chicago and San Jose as some of the worst teams in the Western Conference. That has not been the case. They are 13-10-1. They currently hold the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. So I'm not saying that they're elite or anything, but they're above average. It's an above average hockey team. Vegas has kind of been, you know, over the last, I don't want to say few weeks, but you know, Vegas, they got off to that really, really good start. They've come back down to earth a little bit, but I st- they're still 16, five and five, right? Like they're one of the best teams in the NHL. They're the defending Stanley cup champions. They are in first place of the Pacific division with 37 standings point, And they've kind of separated themselves a little bit from the Los Angeles King. The thing is they have four more points than the Kings and they've played four more games. So that's going to be my pick. I'm going to take Vegas. And then in the night game, the night cap, the Carolina hurricanes against the Edmonton Oilers at home. That's the second game in the, um, the doubleheader on TNT, the national game. I like the Oilers. That's my hot take out of all of them. That's the one team that's – the Penguins are probably dogs too, but it's pretty probably pretty even too. There's probably heavy favorites on the Hurricanes tonight. I actually like the Oilers in this one um, at home against the Hurricanes who have gotten bad goaltending for most of the season. Frank, you're back. What the fuck? Yeah, so you tell me. I don't know. Was there another issue? Yeah, there was another issue. Well, did you get booted off because of that issue? Correct. Nice. It's it's really hard to explain to what's going on. So um, it's just something I'm gonna have to take care of after the show. Yeah, and I, and I hope and I hope it gets resolved. It'll get resolved as all things do. We'll just keep the show rolling so that way you could get back to it as soon as you can. Um, Frank, I didn't get into Jari scoring because I figured you'd want to talk about it. Jari's goal the other night against the Lightning was. It was incredible. It was the first time a Penguins goalie has ever scored a goal in the NHL. Jari also became the 17th goalie to ever score a goal in the NHL. I bet this really pissed Flurry off because I really want to get one even more now because Flurry's always wanted to score a goal. And now that Jari did it on the team that made Flurry a household name, may light a fun uh, a fire under Flurry's butt a little bit. I mean, we were just talking the other day about goalie goals because of that AHL goalie who scored. And then this happened. And, you know, when it comes to goalie goals, it's a little RNG. I mean, you can't go for a goalie goal every game because, first of all, the net will not always be pulled for the other team. And there are even games where there is an empty net, but you need the puck to get to you to a spot in the front of the net where you could skate a few feet and flick it down the ice. So this also doesn't happen every time there's an empty net. So the... I would say you probably only realistically as a goaltender have five to six chances to score a goalie goal per year for each team, maybe even less, because you need everything that happen in exact certain way to have that opportunity. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So. And the lift you have to get on the puck. Yeah. With accuracy is just so hard. Like, it can't go behind the net because he's not going to, like, skate behind. I mean, people do, but it's, like, it's got to be perfect placement to where you could skate a few feet and get some oomph on it. And you don't always have that every chance. So it's it's very rare. It's funny that we were just talking about AHL goalies doing it, and then Jari does it this week, and it's pretty funny. But congrats to Jari. Yeah, I didn't think talking about a goalie goal would be something we've done twice this season, and we did it. Is it back to back weeks or two out of three weeks? And the I last one, back to back, right? It was in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. It was 
Alex Ndalkovich of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, who's now currently serving as Jari's backup in Pittsburgh. So, you know, crazy times. Crazy, crazy times. times. Frank, former Blackhawk and current Calgary or former current Calgary Flame, I guess, too. Um, Nikita Zadorov, he requested a trade about a month ago, and you figured it was kind of gonna gonna kind of go quickly based on all the reports that came out. Um he has since been traded. It finally happened since our last show. And Zadorov is now a member of the Vancouver Canucks. I got to watch him up close and personal last night, play for Vancouver against the Devils. But he seems to be in a good spot. That Vancouver team has slipped a little bit over the last handful of days, but they're still in a playoff spot. They're still looking really good. You know, we talked about how great of a start they had, and it kind of allowed them to, like, keep their game going throughout the season with, you know, not as much pressure as some other years. So your reaction to Zadorov going over to the Calgary Flames Nikita, or to the Vancouver Canucks? Nikita Zadorov, first off, six points this year, not overly productive in the 21 games he's played, and he can become an unrestricted free agent after the season. Got traded from the Flames to the Canucks. Calgary, in return, received a third-round pick in the 2026 NHL draft and a fifth-round pick in the 2024 NHL draft that Vancouver initially acquired from the Chicago Blackhawks. This is a nice trade for the Canucks. They are rolling this year as one of the deadliest teams in the Pacific Division, and they strengthened their defense their defensive end just a little bit more. He's a two-way defender, has a big size, is going to add some physicality to the Canucks' back end. Zadorov could also just chip in on offense a little bit or even play back defensively. Canucks have their options, which is why they probably made this trade. But another reason as to why the Canucks made this trade happen is because their defense was getting a little thin. And given the position they are in in the standings in a division spot in the Pacific Division, they didn't want their defensive woes to hurt them going into this next year. I mean, Carson Saucy. Saucy is out for four to six weeks on defense for the Canucks. So this is just something they wanted to address before things got too out of hand. And a little defensive depth is never a bad idea. So I completely agree with this. I think it's a great trade. Need to strengthen that defensive end a little bit. And that's exactly what the Canucks did. Absolutely. Um, I didn't love the return for Calgary. They got a fifth in 2026 six and a third next year. Or a third and 25? No, huh? it's 2024. It's a, a fifth round in 2024, a third round in 2026. Yeah. Uh, I hate that, like, the Devils couldn't pay that to get Zadorov. <laughs> what are you doing? Especially, uh, that's a division rival. Calgary would rather have traded Zadorov to the Devils in Vancouver. So it's just, it's crazy. But last last night, there was a trade between the Red Sox and the Yankees, a moderately big That one. was crazy. So, like, the, I wasn't you know, expecting that. me either. Anything could happen, I guess. I've seen the Devils make one trade with the Rangers. They acquired Michael Grabner. That's the only one I can remember. They just don't. That's just not a thing. Right. That's why it was shocking. Yeah. I couldn't believe, like, the Red Sox and the Yankees made a trade. Like, what even, what? Um, we're waiting for this Juan Soto trade. I hope we're on air when it happens. If not, though, you can tune in to Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow where we will surely talk about it. It will be done by then. That I know for a fact. So, you know, good, good stuff, Frank. Good stuff. I'm sorry your internet's giving you issues today or your technology's giving you issues today, but let's not make your life too much better by talking about our favorite <laughs> teams in period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank. So I wrote out four bullet points for each of our favorite teams. I'm going to read my four to you. 
I would like to hear your reaction. Skyler says, surprise, Soto trade is this close already. Well, the winter meetings are going on. These these people have been in Nashville for four days. I have MLB Network on right now. Uh, I've been watching closely and paying attention to it. Um, they've been kind of grinding this thing out basically since 11 a.m. yesterday. And, you know, when 30 GMs and 30 owners and 30 managers and hundreds of players are in one hotel at – you know, in Nashville, stuff's going to get done. Uh, I think Otani will probably, it's done today, the winter meetings, but Otani will be figured out by the weekend, I think. And then once that happens, then the rest of the signings will start to go off the hook. But the Soto trade, not waiting for Otani at all. That will be done either before the end of this show, but certainly before tomorrow's Crosstown Crosstalk. But all right, Frank, the four bullet points for the Blackhawks. Anthony Bovillier trade, an update on Connor Bedard. Kevin Korchinski is a... Dog, <laughs> and the last three games, the next three games for the Chicago Blackhawks. The floor is yours. All right, I got a lot to say here, VP. <sighs> All right, Blackhawks are last Central Division stinks. They're last by seven points, so they got a pretty healthy lead for last place, which is not a good thing. But they played a hard-fought game yesterday against the Nashville Predators. They ended up having the lead a couple of times in the game, but they just couldn't hold on and ended up losing in a shootout. Connor Bedard looked great. Point streak stops at three games, which kind of sucks. I wanted to see him get on the score sheet, but nonetheless, he did put up three shots on goal, which just by me watching him seems to be about his average this year. He's had a few games where he's had a lot more, but it's roughly like I think the last three or four games have been exactly three shots each time. Um, I'd like to see him shoot a little bit more than that. Like He only had one shot going into the third period. It's like, He's got to shoot more. Somebody's got to tell him, like, you don't want to be the puck hog, but Bedard's the guy you want shooting the puck. He did have the only goal in the shootout, which he made look easy. It was beautiful. I loved it. Loved seeing that. He's not one for one in his career in the shootout. Uh, maybe he'll go 100 for 100. We'll have to see. I'd like to see him shoot a tad bit more. Like I said, the one thing I did like a lot from Bedard last night is after he broke his stick on a great scoring opportunity, they showed him over on the bench looking at the iPad to see what went wrong with that. What could I have done better to improve my play? And I just thought that coming out of an 18-year-old says a lot about who Connor Bedard really is, and he wants to improve, right? The Blackhawks are also the only team in the league with the rookie leading them in points, which means Bedard is cooking as, he, as we all expected. He's doing what he needs to do for his development. And I, and I love what I've seen from Bedard this year. I mean, he's truly been like that masterpiece we were hoping for. And right now, he'd probably win Rookie of the Year if the season ended today. I still think he's the favorite. Moving on to Anthony Bavillier, he looked great. I really liked the way he played with Bedard. I felt like there were a lot of playmaking, scoring opportunities. It seemed like they had a lot of decent chemistry, at least from what I saw. I mean, Bavillier isn't a guy that shoots the puck a lot. I mean, you'll see that. He'll get like one shot per game, sometimes zero. But he's the type of guy who's a playmaker, and that's the type of guy you love to have playing with Connor Bedard, somebody who will go out of his way to make that play, to get Bedard the puck, who's your best scorer, and pot one in the back of the net. Unfortunately, that didn't happen yesterday. But for those who are unaware, too, Anthony Bavillier was traded to the Blackhawks last Tuesday by the Vancouver Canucks for a conditional fifth-round pick in this year or in next year's 2024 NHL entry draft. But one thing I'd like to see going forward for Anthony Bavillier is him playing on the power play with Bedard. 
I think they would do some great things on the power play. And we never got to uh, see that happen last night, which I was a little disappointed. I really was. Because what I saw early on in the game with him playing with Bavilia, I felt like there was a lot of speed. There was a lot of chances for scoring opportunities. I think things would have happened magically more on the power play. So I want, I'd like to see him play on the power play with Bedard going forward. I think it would have made a huge difference. We also didn't see them together in three-on-three overtime. I thought that would have been nice, even better, more room out there on the ice to make plays. I mean, I would just like to see it for a few games. I think it will make a big difference. I think it will help in a big way with that playmaker mentality that Bavillier has. Um, So those are just some changes I'd like to see going forward, even if they're not permanent. Let's just see what sticks. you got nothing to lose this year, so let's just mess around with things and then, you know, for the future or whatever and beyond. But Kevin Korchinski, he's been absolutely fantastic. I love how he's playing defensively. Alex Vlasic's been solid. I love those two. I, I think they're they're fantastic defensemen. I love what I'm seeing about him as a whole, not only on defense. But I like the way – there was one play yesterday where I thought the defense – and I don't know if it was Vlasic or Korchinski could have kind of chipped in at the blue line to try and get a, a rush going the other way, and they didn't. Those are growing pains that you know will come. I mean, these guys are young; they've they've only played a handful of games in the NHL. But those are just some minor changes I'd like to see on defense. Otherwise, I think the defense have been pretty good from these rookies. I mean, you're getting the best you can right now. And no, the Hawks have stunk lately. Their last three games are 0-2 and one. They had they lost three to one to Winnipeg, four to one to Minnesota, and we're like, oh, the scoring's not here. They lost four to three in a shootout to Nashville. The scoring kind of came alive. They've lacked scoring the past handful of games, but it seems like at home they have more of a drive, which you like to see. You'd like to see that drive continue on the road. Their next three games are against Anaheim, St. Louis, and Washington, all at home. So hopefully the scoring comes back a little bit. We get Bedard a few points, maybe Reichel some scoring opportunities, Vlasic, Korchinski, um, just everybody chipping in. We saw Nick Felino with a couple pair of goals yesterday. So hopefully scoring comes back at home, and hopefully that could transfer over to playing on the road because you just can't be a home team. And right now this team is neither a home team or an away team because they're last in the league. But overall. It is disappointing how bad they are, but I there are there are points that you could point to and that you could just lean on and look forward to the future. Like all things won't be that bad. I don't hate everything I'm seeing out of this Blackhawks team. That's my story for the Chicago Blackhawks. Can I give a take that I just kind of decided yesterday? Go ahead. I'm all in on the draft lottery for them again. They might. I said that yesterday. I said they might get Max Alvarez. They're last place. They'd have the best odds right now to win him. Could you imagine? I, I can't believe the Sharks passed them. Could you imagine? I could imagine a lot, yeah. Uh, even if it's not Celebrini, Cole Eiserman is so good, too. And then, too, right? Yeah, and then next year, if the Hawks have the second pick, get Cole Eiserman, we could get together and watch BU games all year. Like, that would just be so fun. So... This team's got a lot for them, I think, going in the future. Yeah, I hope Celebrini goes back to school, too. I I think next year might be a year, uh, the second time, and that would be the second time in three years where, or the second time in four years where the number one pick went to college the following year. Do you think he'd want to, or do you think, like, if the Hawks draft him, would he be like, I have a chance to go play with Bedard in the NHL? Do I just do it? Yeah, he might. It might depend on his scenario, but... um. 
he could play with Cole Iserman at BU. The the number one and number two pick could play at BU next year. And then, of course, they would be a Frozen Four favorite. Hobie Baker talk for both of them, all sorts of greatness. Um, there's a lot of exciting times in terms of college hockey with that. But, hey, the Hawks, in my opinion, and I I, I get to watch the Hawks. Um, slight, I'm biased towards them. I love the Blackhawks, but I watch them a little more objectively than I do the Devils. The Devils usually, in my brain, could do no wrong even though they do plenty wrong. Um, but you see, you, you understand what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I look at them Hawks a little more objectively, and I'm like, oh, Connor Bedard, he's having this sick year, right? He's on pace for 40 goals. He'll probably have 80-plus points. You know, everybody knows he's sick. He's doing all this with Taylor Hall hurt and Corey Perry going to rehab and, you know, all this freaking shit that happens with this team. And Bedard is still putting up points with these ass team around him. Oh, oh, and, and they're still losing. Oh, I see what's going. That that's literally the best possible scenario if you really think about it. Like the Bedard playing so well and the team still having a top five pick next year. That's about as good as it gets. So you know, hopefully it continues. I love Korchinski. I love Vlasic. Reichel's right. even coming around since being a healthy scratch. You know, early last week. Um, win a game here and there. Feel good about yourself. Play Nashville hard. Play spoiler and have a top five pick next year. Top two pick would be lovely. But, you know, I, I do think things, they will probably get worse after the trade deadline. They probably will make some trades. If you're a contender right now, why the H wouldn't you want Jason Dickinson on your fourth line? Why wouldn't you want Nick Felino? Now, I would keep Nick Felino because I don't think the third round pick or the fourth round pick that you get for Nick Felino is worth the dad vibes that he brings to that locker room. I really yeah, great vibes. I didn't say that last year. I didn't <laughs> care about leadership last year. I didn't give a flying F this year though, with Bedard and Korchinski and Reichel and all these guys in the locker room. I think it's fair to maybe keep Felino this year. And you know, does it suck not getting that extra fourth round pick third round pick? Yeah. Cause those are lottery tickets that could turn into superstars or stars or even just general NHL contributors. You know, that's always something you're giving up when you don't trade a guy like Felino, but you know, sometimes it's more than just that. They have plenty of draft picks. They're going to have another, you know, if I'm a Blackhawks fan, I'm hardcore rooting for the Lightning to lose every single game they play. There's a world where they have two top ten picks. So um, I'm not sure if that's lottery protected. Not that I think Tampa's going to be bad enough to, you know, be Probably a lottery, lottery team. Protected I, can act- I can actually figure that out, Frank. My guess would it, it would be. I can figure that out right freaking now. A lot better than I figured out how many players have played in the NHL, which I could figure out easily. I, there's um, got to be like tens of thousands, right? I think it's probably right around 10,000 would be my initial. That was like my initial guess or like, you know, 15,000. So conditional pick, top 10 protected. Okay. It's top 10 protected. So makes sense. you yeah, want perfect. the lightning to be the 11th worst team because then, <laughs> you know, you'll know who the top 20, 25 players are. Now you'll like a lot of them, you know, another Oliver Moore, maybe like whoever that is next year, like all sorts of situations like that. So um, you want the lightning to lose, but not to where they are right now, I think is fair for Blackhawks fans to kind of just hope they stay. Cause I don't really see them getting much lower than being like a bubble wildcard team, but I mean, hey, the Blackhawks, I like their future. 
It'd be nice to go a year without there being an off-ice Blackhawks controversy. Been a while since that happened. But what'd you say? Sorry. It's been a while since the Blackhawks have had a, not had an off-ice um issue. Yeah. You know, it'd be nice to see them go a season without something like that, hopefully starting next year. Um, I love Kyle Davidson, though, in terms of hockey ops. And we touched on everything that happened last week. We're not going to get into that. But in terms of hockey ops, um, Kyle Davidson's done a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, so I'll go into the same thing with the Devils. I'll go the same thing, like, you know, a couple storylines that are popular and then the last three games, next three games. And then maybe you could chime in a, a, yeah, an opinion yeah, or two. Uh-huh. Um, so Dougie Hamilton. He's going to be out with, he had some surgery. He's out indefinitely. It's like a three to six month recovery. Um, I do think the plan is probably to put him on LTIR. That's $9 million freed against the salary cap. Very few teams that are considered contenders have $9 million free. They go out, they get a forward and a defenseman at the trade deadline. They, you know, they beef up their depth. And then Dougie Hamilton is ready in game one of the playoffs when salary caps don't exist. You might remember the Lightning did it with Kucherov. The Blackhawks did it with Kane. Um, the Devils would love to add to their group and then add Dougie Hamilton. You know, and then you figure out the cap issues once the season is over um, during the offseason. I think that's a real good yeah. way to go about it at this point. $9 million freed up. Go get a goalie. Get a goalie and a defenseman, four mil each. Go get Jake Allen and Chris Tanev. The Devils are significantly better right there. Allen's having a great year for Montreal. Tanev's a nice, good defenseman for depth. You go out and do that, you could be as good as you were last year, um, at least heading into the playoffs with Dougie Hamilton coming back. They did call up Simone Nemich, who has had a better – think about the Devils for the last – seven years let's since they won the lottery for the first time and got nico Mm -hmm. how many great young top 10 picks have made their debut with the team a lot nico he um jesper bratt wasn't a top 10 pick but jesper bratt um alexander holtz jack hughes luke hughes um dawson mercer awesome players stanley cup potential core hopefully here with those guys nobody had a better first two games out of anybody I just named than Simone Nemich. None of them. Two assists in his first game, led the team in ice time in the first game. In the second game, he had the third most ice time of any player on the Devils. He's just been an absolute tank. He's just been so good, the number two overall pick from the 2022 NHL draft, and I really don't think he ever plays in the AHL ever again. You know, Frank, I don't think anybody that I named had a better first two games than those two. Jack Hughes was a little slow in his rookie year. Um, He sure was good, but he didn't score till his seventh game. He had a couple assists. He ended up with 50-something points, but that kind of came as the year went along. I'm talking the first two games. Nemich has been awesome, which is way harder for a defenseman. And then, of course, Jack Hughes was the third star of the week last week. Um, He had two three-point games. During that stretch, seven led the NHL for with seven points in three games during that week, and then he comes out yesterday and he has one goal and two assists for yet another three-point games. He's had seven three-point games this season so far. Just absolutely phenomenal stuff. Jack Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes leads the NHL in points per game by far. He's got thirty-three points, which trails Nikita Kucherov for the league lead by nine, but he's played in about nine less games. So, you know, 
Nikita Kucherov, unreal year. Jack Hughes is certainly in the MVP conversation. As of right now, 33 points in 19 games is hilarious. It is absolutely very funny. Um, one of the best players in the world. Can't wait to see what's next for him. In their last three games, the New Jersey Devils have taken on the Philadelphia Flyers, who they beat 4-3 to three in overtime. Jack Hughes found Luke Hughes for the overtime winner. On Friday, they lost to the San Jose Sharks, who seven seven and one in their last ten. Yeah, respect, I mean, it's a respectable record after starting oh ten and one. They're you seven, say seven seven and one. Yeah, seven seven or seven seven and one. And excuse me, that yeah. <laughs> since starting oh the ten is in my brain because since starting oh ten and one, they are seven seven and one. Okay. Seven, seven, and one in their last fifteen. Not a good record. That's not a playoff record. You know, if you if you go NHL five hundred like that, you're not making the playoffs. But you know, you're a respectable team. That's hard to play against. That's been the San Jose Sharks. They caught the New Jersey Devils in a trap game and beat them. And then last night, of course, the Hughes Day Bowl. Um, the Devils won six to three or six to five. Excuse me. When Jesper Bratt scored with forty seconds left in regulation, um, Jack Hughes had a goal and an assist. Luke Hughes had a goal and Quinn Hughes had two assists. All three Hughes brothers were just absolutely electric factory in that game. And then their next three games continues their Western Conference road swing in Western Canada and Seattle. They go to Seattle tomorrow. They play the Kraken and then the Flames on Saturday. And then on Sunday it's the Edmonton Oilers. So. Lots of good action coming up for the Devils against some teams that they should be able to beat. Hopefully they are able to before they return home to play the Boston Bruins on Wednesday, December 13th. Um, you know, they they haven't had the start to the season that I think they wanted to, but there were a lot of injuries. Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, and Nico Heischer combined for like 130 goals last season, and they were all out of the lineup at the same time for like five straight games. They're 4-1-0 since Nico Heischer came back. They have won four out of their last five. Um, with Heischer on the ice this season, I believe they're 8-3-1. and one. So, you know, he just helps them in every single way. I say he's just as important to the team as Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes puts up monstrous amount of points. Mm -hmm. Nico Heischer puts up a respectable amount of points. He does not put up monster numbers. You know, 80, 85 points, I think, is probably his ceiling. There might be one or two years where he cracks 100 when all things go. You know, kind of reminds me of like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, capable of having 100 points when everything goes right for him. You know, Nuge had the 100-point year. He had a couple 90s. You know, but for the most part, 70, 80, 90 points. That's where I see Heischer. Um, They've just been so good since he came back, and I've loved seeing it. That's why it pays to have those high draft picks, VP. You know? And obviously, Jack Hughes, he hasn't missed a beat since returning. It's been unbelievable. Much-needed win by the Devils, who slipped lower in the Metropolitan Division than many people maybe were thinking that they would up until this point. I mean, things got a little sketchy. Last night, there were two three-goal third-period comebacks yesterday, and the Devils almost made it three games with three-goal comebacks. But Jesper Brad obviously silenced Vancouver by scoring 34 seconds left, left in regulation. Um, but obviously, the lack of play from the Devils this season has come from injuries. It didn't help that Jack Hughes was out. The amount of games Niso he Nico Heischer has missed. Dougie Hamilton's out indefinitely with the torn pectoral muscle. So there's been some tough injuries they've had to overcome in the early going the injury to Doug Dougie Hamilton, like you touched on 
allow Simone Nemich to come up, try to fill some big shoes. Had a couple assists in his NHL debut. Congrats to Mr. Simone Nemich for that. And I think this road trip that they're going on, this Canadian Western road trip, um, it's a big road trip for them. In my opinion, if you could come out with at least six points, that's fantastic. Five points is what you need, I think, to consider to have a successful road trip. But the Devils were one of the best teams on the road last season. So this is a really good opportunity to dig themselves out of a little deficit that they're in and make a statement not only to these Canadian teams on this road trip, but to the entire Metropolitan Division as well. Big opportunity for the Devils. You'd like to see them at least get six of eight. Minimum five of eight would be fantastic. I read an advanced statistic chart that suggests if they had league average goaltending, they'd be in the President's Trophy race. Wow. And that's that's been my biggest issue with them. Looking at them last year, and you know, I who's their goaltending this year? Is it still Vanacek and Schmid? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I was big on Schmid, not the biggest. I'm Vanacek. I don't know. Might have to go too. I haven't loved their goaltending like in a long time. Like, no. I've just been a Devils goaltender hater lately, and I thought Akira Schmid's been the been the answer at least not what i saw out of him last year i don't think he's doing too well this year though i don't know his stats off the top of my head but i think he's kind of dipped in production compared to last year right yeah he didn't really play that's the thing people forget he didn't really play in the regular season much last year was like it was, it was great. yeah so and so he's still really young too you know, I, I don't think I'm out on Schmidt. I, I'm oh, getting I'm close. I'm getting close to being out on Vanacek. They need a goalie for this season, though. They need to go out and get a veteran goalie. I think, for this have, season. For this season and have Schmidt play behind a veteran goalie. I think that goes a long way, more than people may realize. But it just seems like the Devils are against it. Like, why haven't we done it? We know the problem. If we know the stats and the advanced stats, there's no way that they don't know those stats. So what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I just I do think that, uh, but of course, by the trade deadline, Dougie Hamilton's freed up money will help. I think they they're still waiting out teams to decide if they're sellers. I think that's the biggest problem is they didn't do it over the summer. They're still waiting for teams to decide. Like the Coyotes aren't sellers, so you're not getting Ingram. That could have been a thing you did over the summer. If you would have offered the Coyotes a second round pick for Ingram in the summer, they would have done it. I I'm very confident. Are the are the uh, Oilers going to be sellers? Yeah, but who do I want from them? They're not getting rid of Stu. You don't think they trade? No, Stewart? that would be like getting rid of Schmidt. That's just too early. Stuart Skinner was an All Star as a rookie. But you would take him. Yeah, I, I would take him for sure. Um, I think I wa- I used to think Markstrom was an option, but he's hurt. You know, he's. Uh, you might not think these goalies I'm naming are great. They're better oh, than I what Vanich. They're yeah. better than what Vanacek has been. I'm trying to think of play like teams that would be sellers who you good goalie. Montreal, Jake Allen, is the biggest one for me. Jake Allen's having a very, very good year. Um. Yeah, might be the best bet then. You know, one of the Seattle goalies. Um. Would, would would the Wild get rid of Flurry? Even though he's not having that good of a year, again probably would be better than Vanacek. Yeah. So like I don't think the Wild are going to get rid of Gustafson even though he's oh, been no. better he's been better lately. Um they've been better lately. Yeah. They they basically been a wagon since firing their coach. Um but I don't know. That's my biggest thing for the Devils. They were outstanding last year. They have won four out of five. When they are healthy, they do win games. I don't love how many goals that they give up. I don't love that they blow leads sometimes. 
Um, they 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 need something. They need to do something. I don't think. I do think the Jack Hughes Nico Heischer era will lead to you know a couple deep playoff runs. Hopefully, the deep playoff run. Um, but this year in particular, when you still Nemich and Luke Hughes are still very young, like it's, they're not even close to like in you know Stanley Cup or bust territory. You know, right. they're not Colorado or who's the team that hasn't won that Stanley Cup or bust? Edmonton, even though they suck. Um, Stanley Cup or bust. We have built a true contender. We don't have one yet. We've been a true contender for a long time and still haven't gotten over the hump. Okay. Like um, what Vegas was before last year. Dallas isn't there yet. No, 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 no. That's a that. good one. That's a good I one. I wouldn't say Dallas is there yet. They're close. But they've been like a true contender the past couple of years. But yeah. Like, they've made like four deep playoff runs and had their Carolina. Carol, yep, Carolina is absolutely Frank. Dallas lost in the Stanley Cup final and the conference finals twice. I it's know Stanley it's Cup a, or bust for the stars. That's a good thing. It's a compliment. I know, but I just I'm thinking like five plus years. Have they been a true contender for five years? Not a true contender. Maybe not a true contender for like, like maybe the past two or three years they've been a true contender, but it's like all right, we're getting there for Dallas. That's what I'm Car- saying. It's Carolina's there. there. Um, I feel like the Rangers been there for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of the Rangers literally as you were, I was debating in my head, the Rangers. I just feel like they've been the longest of any team. Like we're just making these moves. Like let's get Patrick Kane, Terrace. Let's just add a whole bunch of people. Nothing works for them. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. The Kings are not there. They're not but, there yet. But Kopitar and Dowdy probably would say they are. Yeah. But um, they're not there. No, I think they're good enough to win. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they won the cup. Yeah, but not they're not there yet to the Stanley Cup or bust. No, no, no. Um, uh, that's probably. I feel like I'm missing. Oh, it's Stanley Cup or bust for the Bruins. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Marshan won one, in t- but 2011. We're far enough removed from 2011 yeah, now. They've like, been really good late, like the past five, six yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, I got a good one, Frank. I got a good one. They're behind me. The, the freaking Leafs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is absolutely Stanley Cup or bust for the Maple Leafs. Uh, they will consider that they could have 100 million points and they would feel slighted if they didn't win the Stanley Cup this year. And Matthews and Tavares and Nylander's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, and you got Marner and Riley, and you freaking signed Bertuzzi, and you signed Domi. Oh, yeah. Stanley Cup are bust for the Maple Leafs of Toronto, for sure. Um, we shall see. I, yeah, we shall see. I'm excited. Oh, I have a bubble one, too, same vein as the Stars. The Florida Panthers. Yeah, they're not there yet, though. They're elite. But they're not there. Like, they haven't been good the past, like, five. Well, they have, I guess. Well, they're they're like the stars. Actually, like, they might be. Three but, or four years. Don't forget, though, they had that president's trophy that, like, the stars never had. They've been better a little bit. Um, yeah. It's probably about the same time. Because I remember be, when, yeah, when Florida, Florida got in the bubble in 2020, and they played the Islanders, and they were expected to win and didn't. They're not there yet to Stanley Cup or bust, but I agree. They're right there with the Stars, I think. Yeah, for sure. Kind of started being elite at the same time. Yeah. You know, it was the bubble, 
and then 21-22, and then super elite team in 22-23, and then here in 23-24. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, hell yeah. Go Devils, go Hawks. Um, those are obviously our two favorite teams. But, Will, one last question before we hit the road. Will Jack Hughes and Connor Bedard be nominated for the Hart Trophy at the same time at any point? Yes. Wow. Wow. Hell yeah. I like to hear that. I agree. And uh, i hit you with one more. Here today in 2023, December 6, 2023, Jack Hughes is a blank player in the NHL. Right a, now? A top blank player in the NHL. Five. Wow. I was going to say three, which he's deserving a three. But there's a lot of good players. I think he could get to three. Top five for sure, though, I think. I think top five for sure. I was debating two. I'm, like, really going in my head, like, right now. Right now. I'm not talking about next year or the year. Last year. I'm talking right now. Who would you rather have, Connor McDavid or Jack Hughes? I think we would both say Connor, just because Edmonton stinks. If he was in a better situation, yeah. 150 points seems easy for him. You know, on a bad team, he's got 30 already. Would you rather have Jack Hughes or Austin Matthews right now? Probably Jack Hughes. <laughs> would you rather probably. Jack Hughes or Nathan McKinnon right now? I think that's the close. But it's so close. Kale, it is close. It was so good yesterday. He was so good yesterday, and he's got Rantanen. He got 31 points. Rantanen's so probably a top 10 forward. They have Kale McCarr right there, right? Like, does I defense... could say top three. I could be there for top three. Yeah, but, like, you start thinking about, like, it. you don't just. I think I'd rather him over Matthews right now. Me too, and that's crazy because Matthews has, like, a billion goals. McKinnon's tough. McKin- oh. but it's tough, but you didn't say Nathan McKinnon, no question. Yeah. You didn't you didn't slam your hand on the table and say, damn it, Vin, how dare you compare Jack Hughes to Nathan McKinnon? No, worry, Connor Bedard's gonna get there. Connor Bedard will be in this conversation. I've said it from the beginning. Do I think there's a world where in 2026, if it goes McDavid Hughes Bedard or McDavid Bedard Hughes is the top three players in the league, the three guys who are locks for 120 points? Yeah, no, wouldn't shock me at all. Wouldn't shock yeah. me at all. Um, Hughes has better players around him right now. And I Bedard has having he's already having a better rookie season. Oh yeah. I think actually Bedard might have more goals already than Hughes did in his rookie year. Actually. Uh, the Devils were up. You think the Blackhawks are probably equal the shit show. In Hughes' rookie season, they fired John Hines. They traded Taylor Hall. You know. Everybody hated each other. They fucking were so bad. They were so bad. So fun conversations about our teams. It'd be fun if they were both really, really good at the same time. I think they will get there. Um, Sky's the limit for both of them. I think all 30 GMs, all 32 GMs would draft the Devils and the Blackhawks entire group of players from top to bottom in the organization in the top 10. The Devils yeah. might be one. The Blackhawks would probably be in the top ten for sure. I would say so, yeah. All right. It's time to talk about what I describe as other shit <laughs> in period number three. 
Frank, it's time to talk about college football. And JP probably is waiting, doesn't say yep. football. Or because I said that, he's not going to do it now. Nope. He's just going to randomly join and say that we're talking about football, even though we've been talking about hockey for one hour and 20 minutes. Um, and we're always talking hockey at the end of the day. Frank, the I, I've had – I've gone back and forth in my head and i know you're probably going to get mad at me that's fine i um everybody gets mad at me when i talk about this i have not flip 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 adelphia more in my head over the last week than i have for pretty much anything in watching sports in my entire life i tweeted and you saw my tweet i sent it to you before the college football playoff ranking came out on uh, Sunday, I tweeted, I would vote Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. And then I said what I think it will be, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Texas. And I was pumped when what I would have voted for actually came to fruition. And I tweeted it. I patted myself on the back. You fucking dog. You, what you voted for would have been right. You fucking dog. And then I spent all day Sunday sitting there like this. I'm like thinking about it. And, you know, I was like, if the Cincinnati Bengals were automatically disqualified from the playoffs because Joe Burrow was out for the season. I would think that's bullshit. I would say, what the fuck? I would say, what about Jamar Chase? And what about their awesome defense? And what about the fact that, oh, oh, you're telling me, oh, the Bengals won every game without Joe Burrow? One? Well, they won one, though, without him. Two, oh, not one. It's got to be two, then. Three? Oh, they won three times with the backup quarterback, who's probably a five-star recruit from a high school as well. Oh, but when they get to the ACC championship game, though, the backup quarterback got hurt, too. Oh, the third stringer, he's going to come in and get blown out, right? Like, they're going to get smoked. Oh, they won that game, too? Oh, it must have been against a bad team, right? Like, there's no – it must have been like an Iowa-Michigan situation, right? Oh, what? Oh, they, they played a ranked team in the ACC champion? They beat a ranked team with their third stringer? Oh, but you know TCU, they made the playoffs last year and they they got boned. They like they got destroyed, right? They got absolutely destroyed. Nobody wants to see Oh, they beat Michigan in the first round to get to the national championship to get they won a playoff game. That TCU team that everybody's shitting on this year? Oh, they 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 beat Michigan. Oh, but they must it must have been like a defensive battle, right? They must have not scored too much in the, each team scored 40. What? Uh, this is all going on in my head. Florida State got boned. So, I'll let me before I touch on that. So we got Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. I think Alabama is a sleeper to win this whole thing. Oh yeah, honestly. So do I. I, I also don't hate Quinn Ewers and Texas's odds as well. I think this could be a very entertaining college football playoff, and it might not be as clear cut as the past handful of years may have felt like. It's all Georgia, Alabama, but I think this year there's a lot can happen this year. Let me address the elephant in the room now. I'm talking about Florida State. I understand everybody's friends' fr uh, frustration. 
I know you hate the decision to leave Florida State out. I changed I my mind to hate the decision. I, I loved know, it at first. I saw Bucci hated the decision, right? Even my dad hates the decision, right? Florida State, 13-0. ACC champions, right? And, yeah, I mean, Florida's a great team, right? I mean, but unfortunately, and I thought about it too, we live in a world where money and entertainment talks. It would have been – now, let me – before you comment, let me go through my huge huge spiel here. My lips I think sealed. It would, it, it would have been a complete shit show to see Florida State get in and play Michigan. They're lucky they got it done against Louisville. Now, I will agree. I will agree. It sucks that you go 13-0, and you're the ACC champions, and you get no love. You got boned. And it shouldn't come down to a quarterback getting hurt. However, if that's the case, going forward, you get rid of the committee. You get rid of the committee and you leave it up to pure record, just like every sport. Right now, we can't have it both ways. In the NFL, the way the reason why teams don't get boned if they're injured is because there's no committee. If you have the better record, you have a better record. Look at the Brooklyn Nets from last year. They had a great record with great players. They lost all those great players. They didn't get boned, but they got shelled in the playoff because their good players did everything beforehand. So we have to look going forward. Do we get rid of the committee and leave it up to pure record? And starting next year, there's 12 teams. Do we say the the top two, uh, the top 10 teams with the best records in the uh Power five conferences get in, and then the top two teams in the group of five records get in as 11 and 12 or something like that. Is that the way we do it? Because we can't have it both ways. Because the way it works now with the committee, I think the committee got it right. If we don't like what the committee says, we got to get rid of them. Because I think they would have got shelled to Michigan. Yeah, they didn't get the love they deserved. It sucks. You win the ACC championship. One like you're 13 and 0, you didn't lose, and you, you get shell. You actually moved down. You were fourth, and now you're not even in the top four, and you won the ACT championship. It stinks, but I think VP, we can't have it both ways. That's what I got to say. I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. And Skyler says the, they say they want the four best teams. If we if we're honest, Florida State isn't that with their third. I get that, but I don't even think the four best teams made it. Georgia is one of the four best teams. Oh, I they agree. I they would be favored in every single game in the college football. If the, if we were in 12 right now, 12 teams, Georgia would still be the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing. So we're so we're we're not putting the four best teams. If we were to put the four best teams, we probably would put Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and Ohio State. If we were putting just the four best teams, we don't care about what they did in the regular season. We don't care about who's on their route. We only care about who we think it's, it's a, if it's like a power ranking, right? Like when we power rank our NFL teams, it doesn't go by record. It goes by who we think would win right then and there. The four best teams right now, in my opinion, are Ohio state, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama, but Ohio state didn't deserve it. Georgia didn't deserve it. I was out on Florida State being in, and I really I did some deep thinking about it. I'm like, what is even the point of playing in the regular season if you're going to be a undefeated Power 5 team and not make it to the playoffs? I 
I think I yeah I, I think Ohio State's better than Washington. You know, I think. I mean, Michigan blew out Iowa, but they didn't blow out Ohio State. I think Ohio State and Florida State would have a good game, even with the backup quarterback. Georgia should have got, got in. Georgia didn't deserve to get in, though, and that's my problem with Florida State missing. Even though Georgia is one of the four best teams, everybody knows it. Everybody knows that if Georgia were to play, I think if they rematched Alabama, they'd win. If they played Washington, they'd win. They'd probably win by 50. Same thing with Michigan. Same thing with Texas. If you think Georgia is one of the best teams in the league, nobody's arguing that, but they don't deserve it. So the, in my opinion, the committee leaving Georgia out and uh, not putting Florida State in, it's it's hypocritical. I, I it just makes no sense to me. Like Texas, they lost, but they beat. They won their conference and they had one loss. Okay. But they still had one loss as opposed to Florida State. Right. I actually think, and Texas deserves to be in over Alabama because they beat Alabama in the regular season. They beat them. They beat Alabama in the regular season. That's their one loss. So I I just it makes it it really I think it, it's bad. It sets a bad precedent. Luckily they they knew next year it's not gonna matter. Right. Because, you know, all these teams would be in and there'd be more intrigue with the, the final spots down there, but it's a little bit more easier to decipher. Ohio State would be in one bad game like Alabama had earlier in the year wouldn't ruin anything. Would be in. Oregon would be in. Oregon would be in for sure. I mean Oregon That's only lost they only lost a lot. Washington. Right, twice. Yeah. And both games and both games were awesome. I think you could do away with the committee. Or the people in the committee. I'll say it. It's a bunch of old hags. Gets we need critical thinkers to be on the committee. Not people who want this or have agendas. The you know the committee's made up of people from the conferences. But I but I like if I was on the committee, I wouldn't have put Florida State in though. And I'm like not an old hag, so it's like I, I just think we just... But at least you used critical thinking to justify it. These people have biases. You know, it's members. Of, it's like the ACC something, five people from the ACC, yeah, four people from think. the SEC. Like, the, the committee just makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. It's not a good committee. It's really not. And Frank, in the college football playoff, it probably will be the backup, not the third string. It's a month away. Yeah, that is true. But still, I still don't think it's like. <sighs> I don't think Michigan. I, I honestly, I don't think Michigan gets blown out or I don't think they blow out Florida State. I don't. I, I they probably win because like they could beat Alabama even, even though they I think Alabama is going to win. Though, even with Rodemaker in there. I I get, but they play such good defense. They play such like, and that's but that's the problem. They have a great defense. It's probably top three in the country. But Michigan's got a very good defense as well. I know all they these shut teams down play. Ohio State. I know. So it's like in Washington, they got a great defense. It's like there are a lot of teams with a good defense, but it's like it's money hungry too. Like they're they don't want to put that on TV to see like yeah. Like, 
I think but, more people are excited to see Alabama now go against Michigan. You know, what they I mean? are, they are. It's just sometimes, sometimes it's not, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be feeding to the, ma- it's just my opinion. It shouldn't just be feeding to the masses. It should be what's right. I, I hear you. I could see it from both ways. I, I, me too. That's the thing. Cause guess what? I'm going to sit there when Michigan's playing Alabama. And I'm gonna be freaking all in. It's gonna be like old school, like Michigan and Alabama. Eastern. Like, like I'm gonna freaking go to town on that game. Make no mistake about it. But, oh my God, I, I can't get over that of those kids who played their ass off all season long to go undefeated are injured just because. And another tweet, the tweet that really kind of got my brain going is the quarterback of Florida State, the one who got hurt. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. He tweeted, man, I wish I got hurt earlier in the season so that everybody could see the team ball, continue to ball without me all year long. And then I was like, are you kidding me? Really? We left an ACC champion undefeated out. I, 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 I know. I, I hear you. I mean, I hate it. I hate it. I love it and I hate it. I said, I was thinking when I tweeted what I want, it was Alabama in over Florida State. And, you know, I'm biased towards the, I love the SEC, you know, but this year, it, I'm it, really torn. It, it, I'm really torn. it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like they did the right thing. I know pe- most people don't care about doing the right thing, and that's a big problem in our country and in this world. Nobody cares about doing the right thing. But in my opinion, the right thing would have been to have these boys go in. Oh, before TCU taught us a lesson last year. TCU beat. Was it was Michigan, right? Not Ohio State, and Georgia beat Ohio State, or was yeah. it the other? I think Georgia beat Michigan. Georgia right? might have beat Michigan, and TCU might have beat Ohio right? State. I don't remember. Here, I'll just look up the 2023 college football playoff. Oh no, I guess that would be 22 because the regular season was TCU played. TCU beat Michigan. Okay, that's what Skyler said. Yes, TCU beat Michigan. Georgia beat Michigan. Yeah, Georgia beat Ohio State. I hate to tell, and and then TCU went on to get absolutely destroyed by Georgia. We watched it together, you remember? We watched it together. Frank, I wholeheartedly, from the bottom of my heart, think George, that Georgia team that had first-rounders in the linebacking core and first-rounders on the defensive line and – they, you know, they had like a mediocre quarterback carry them to 29 straight wins and two national championships because of how good the rest of the roster was. I think they blow out Michigan or Ohio State if they played them too. Just because it was TCU, though, people had to go on a tizzy and let it ruin the playoff this year. I, yeah, uh, it's tough. It's tough. It is tough because. I'm sorry. Stetson Bennett won two freaking national championships. And we're going to sit here and let that Florida State injury dictate it all when Stetson Bennett, the 29-year-old senior, won two national championships. And, you know, he played he played well, 
you know, he was drafted by the Rams, I think, in the fifth round or the fourth round, and he's on their practice squad, or he might even be their backup now. But, I mean, yuck. This whole thing stinks until the games start, and I love each and every minute of every game. I agree. I mean, I... it's tough. There's no right answer. That's the problem, too. It's so tough. We are getting the best entertainment factor. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But and that's really all they care about. I know, but I'm willing to acknowledge that our entertainment factor shouldn't necessarily always be what's most important. Yeah. I'm really on the fence, really. <laughs> oh, and it's not like they left out a TCU or a smaller school. They left out Florida State, who's a money-making machine, a, a college football blue blood, Florida State Seminoles. You know, it's not like that university wouldn't bring co- the college football playoff a hell of money regardless of how well they played. I just That's- had a feeling that no matter what, they were being left out, win or lose. Yep. I think I told you that the week before. Like, they just – they're not going to put them in with a backup quarterback. It's just- yeah. And then it was a close game in the ACC championship game. But, like, what what championship game was a blowout other than Michigan? Uh, Texas. Okay, and Texas okay, got Oklahoma in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and t- and Oklahoma State. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know what to tell you, kid. I kid. I was out at the bar with on Saturday night watching the game. He had over zero point five touchdowns for Iowa. Oh yeah, that was a trap and a half. Are you kidding me? I saw that. that Not like... getting a single touchdowns a trap. Dude. A single touchdown. Michigan's got a good defense. Uh, Freaking Iowa didn't even get the ball over the 50, barely. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a trap and a half. If you look at it, like, oh, this is easy. They're going to get a touchdown, then it's probably not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, Frank, we move on to the NFL. I I heard something that really, really, really made me laugh. So the Bears play the Bears play the Detroit. We'll get we'll go over those last week in a minute, but the Bears are playing the Detroit Lions on Sunday. So we're in Lions week right now. Mm-hmm. And so the Lions are kind of in my thoughts right now, being my favorite NFL team's gonna play them. There is a very real chance that if the Los Angeles Rams with Matthew Stafford get into the playoffs, if they sneak in by the skin of their nuts. That their first round opponent will be Stafford's former team, the Detroit Lions. And I'll tell you what, if that happens, I'm putting my house on the Matthew Stafford and the Rams to go to Detroit and beat his. There is no world where Matthew Stafford loses in Detroit. No shot. No shot. But. It's also Goff's former team on the Rams. Yeah, but we're talking about Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. Oh. Jared Goff's a nice quarterback. He's fine. Matthew Stafford is like probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean. And Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl. I still think Matthew Stafford, he was like a figure in Detroit. Jared Goff was not a figure in Los Angeles, not even in the Los Angeles sports scene. When people think of the Rams with Aaron Donald, right? you know, guys like that. Um, Todd Gurley really yep. helped 
really helped Jared Goff's game. Like, that was a good Rams team. I've seen Jared Goff. This is going to be my second time seeing Jared Goff play at Soldier Field. I've oh, yeah, seen, you're going to the game. That's right. I'm going to the game on Sunday. So, yeah. you know, it should be fun. It it really should uh, it really should be a good time. Skyler says Goff has more to prove than Stafford. I can see Goff being more amped up, especially after the way McVay got rid of him. Yeah, no, I certainly see Goff being motivated. But I, there's just something about it's just something about it being the Lions. You know, they're they're like the dumb team, like the yeah. team, they're the bad, not even the dumb team because they're I actually, can see them actually been a very smart team. See, I see them beating everybody in the first round, but the Rams. Really? If I'm the Lions, I'm rooting for anyone to make the playoffs except for the Los Angeles Rams. And oh, it would just be such bad luck. It, it, I, <laughs> Goff does have more to prove than Stafford. I completely agree with that. I just think it's more bad luck Lions for Stafford to go in there. Like if the Rams lose to Goff, they're going to be like, okay, we were lucky to get in the playoffs anyway. Everybody yeah, thought right. everybody thought we were going to go 3-14. and 14. We made the playoffs and lost to Detroit, who had 12 wins. You know, like, okay. But, oh, man, that would be funny if Detroit lost to the Stafford-led Rams in the playoffs. That would be – that would just be so funny. But, Frank, 49ers got a big win over the Eagles. Bengals got a big win over the Jags. What's your takeaway from the NFL this weekend? Um, Man, 49ers look good. Eagles look bad. Um. I think the 49ers are ready to roll. They're up and running again. Like I said last week, the three-game losing streak could have been the best thing that ever happened to the 49ers. Um, the Bengals game. Oh, my God. did we? How did we get so many points? That was unbelievable. So entertaining, though. I mean, this Browning guy, he looked pretty good. I mean, he might be able to get it done while Burrow's out. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but, I mean, he's not a bad backup from what I've seen. Foster said refs still suck. I think he's referring to the maybe the Chiefs game because I thought there should have been pass interference in that Chiefs game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a problem with Terry McCauley said during the game. You can't say what he said on TV. That was very poor, especially from the rules analyst. He said, well, if it wasn't a Hail Mary, there could have been pass interference on that play. Well, wait a second. Isn't pass interference pass interference no matter what kind of play? Is pass interference different if we're throwing a Hail Mary? Why would you say that? People like already have superstitions out there like the NFL rigs things for certain ways. And like Terry McCall just like he comes out and says, well, if there's pass, if maybe would have been called if it wasn't a Hail Mary. Like you don't say that. Like, are you kidding? Like that was just. Should have been pass interference. There were a lot of questionable calls in that game. There was a lot of questionable calls in a lot of the games this weekend that I've been watching. But very interesting week. I'm looking forward to the week ahead. Like you said, Bears-Lions. Eagles-Cowboys should be pretty good. Bills-Chiefs. Schnoozer on Thursday. uh, Patriots-Steelers. We're going for one of the lowest totals in in over a decade in an NFL game. It's at 30 right now. It's insane. I personally can't wait for it. I, I mean, yeah, it's going to be low scoring. You uh, it's not a superstar out. game by any means. No. But like, for every, the reasons you're saying, I like can't wait to watch it. Should be interesting. We got a Mitch Trubisky and Bailey Zappi going at it. So, it's wow, basically, it's basically Iowa versus Nebraska. And we had a scare also for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That was bad. That was yes. bad. 
they don't expect it to be too bad. He has a high ankle sprain. He should return this year. But there's, in my opinion, there's no reason to bring him back this week against the Browns. I wouldn't think so. Don't rush anything. Um, no, I know. The problem for the Jags is the Texans and the Colts are right on their tail. I know. The that could be the difference between a playoff game at home or not. But a high ankle sprain and to come back, like, what they played on Monday. You don't even get a week off. You so, know. Uh, I don't know. He's probably not going to play. It's tough because I think they probably win if he doesn't get hurt and he missed the last. They probably get a game-winning drive or at least a tie, something. Right. I, You know, they would have had a better chance in overtime. Right. And they, they'd be the number one seed right now if they won. <laughs> Foster said he confirmed the rigging. Yeah, that was just bad to say on TV, man. You don't say that. Yeah, well. Is, yeah. is a pass interference pass interference to you? Or does it play dependent? Well, the ball has to be thrown in that direction. Which it was. Yeah. Then yes. According to him, because it was a Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. I think... Cool. I think there probably is if you go if you just type in Hail Mary on YouTube and you watch every Hail Mary from the past. There's always tugging. There's probably pass interference on every single one. So I I get what he's saying. I think he's a moron, A, for saying it at all, (laughs) and B, the way he said it. Of course, I do think that. Yes. But I do. I get what he meant. I get what he meant too. There is pass interference on every Hail Mary. There just is. But but you can't yeah, just that's a really dumb it's thing. It's gonna to really ignite all the NFL haters and the believers of everything being rigged. So I don't know. You know that's how I, you know how I know yeah, you know how I know sports aren't rigged? You can't rig hitting a baseball five hundred feet. Like you can rig a team winning. Yeah. But, like, do you ever watch a game in the World Series and be like, oh, you know, Barry Bonds knew he was going to hit that ball 450 feet? Or Shohei Otani knew knew that Mookie Betts was going to swing at that pitch 10 feet out of the zone, that sweeper. No. See, I don't think rigging like that. I think, like, rigging, like, certain situations. Like I said, if the Hawks win the draft lottery, it's so freaking rigged. You lose Kane and Taves, and now you're just going to win the draft lottery when the last time you won was Kane, and now you're going to start another franchise. So but even like, after watching the video... No, I watched the video, and I I know it's not rigged, but it's like it just feels that way. Yeah, so... And here's another thing. In the NHL, the last... The conference finals last year were Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, and Florida. If the NHL was rigged, the Leafs would play the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Blackhawks would play the freaking I don't know who the Blackhawks would freaking play from the West. There's the Wild or the Oilers or the Kings, you know, every year. Every year. The only conference final that was like rig worthy was 2013. The Hawks played the Kings and the Rangers played the Habs. <laughs> the NHL probably fucking loved that. <laughs> and then there was a baseball year where the the Yankees played the Astros and the Dodgers played the Cubs. So the four biggest markets in Major League Baseball were in the CS. And, you know. 
Well, the college football rankings are rigged because the committee puts in who they want. Well, the college football <laughs> rankings are absolutely rigged. That That's just a fact. It is a fact. It's yeah. A fact. It's rigged to be whatever their agenda says that year. <laughs> yeah. There was the year Penn State deserved to make it for being a conference champion, but they put Ohio State in anyway, even though they didn't play in the Big Ten championship. And then the following year, <laughs> Ohio State didn't deserve or deserve to make it because they were the Big Ten champion and they did get in as the Big Ten. And the other team that was better that missed was annoyed because Ohio State made it in for the exact same opposite reason. That's why I hate the college football playoff committee. I forget the exact thing that went down that year, but it was something with Penn State and Ohio State, and Penn State deserved to get in. There is no doubt in my mind. And then the following year, the agenda flipped in the exact, it's, you know, it's politics. It's the same thing. You know, you got the left with their agenda and the right with their agenda, and they both sound like morons every year. I mean, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully things get better. The NFL can have a real strong finish, though. We were we're starting to flex Monday night games, um, which is really nice to hear. Because um, you know, in in June or July, when we're playing our bags tournament and swimming in the pool, oh yeah, we, we didn't know the Texans were going to be good. So why would you put them on any night games? But now that they are freaking good, and everyone wants to watch C.J. Stroud, yeah, let's put them on a Monday night game. Everyone would love it. It's amazing. So I like the idea of flexing the NFL's getting good. We got a couple Saturday games coming up now too. This weekend Army versus Navy though. Oh, I can't wait. Really, really good game. Can't wait yeah. for that as well. I we might be able to watch that one together, eh? December 9th. Yep. Yeah. Yep. December Happy 9th. Birthday, VP. <laughs> <laughs> getting there. Um Frank, the GTA 6 trailer came out. Yeah. Did you watch it? Oh, I watched it. Unfortunately, it got leaked online, which prompted Rockstar to release it a day yeah. earlier. I watched it from Rockstar when they put that tweet. So did that, I. Uh, I didn't watch the leaked one. I didn't want to. The the guy who leaked it, did. it well, he got banned from Twitter, first of all, like almost immediately. <laughs> He's gone. And, the, uh, uh, Elon said, get the fuck out of here. Basically. And GTA he became GTFO. And he leaked it, and there was a watermark on it, you know, like with there's stuff like images on there, and it said like buy Bitcoin, and it was just like it was a huge distraction from the actual trailer. So it was like just a stupid move. Yeah. Why would you leak it? And then obviously the developers were pissed. Oh, of course. oh my god, they were swearing. They said this is bullshit. I wanted to watch it with my buddies, the game we all worked on together. And like they were pissed, so the Rockstar like they forced their hand. Rockstar was like, "Well, we don't want this guy taking credit. We're gonna release it so people watch our video." So they were forced to release it. Trailer looked exceptional. Lucia looks like a complete badass, and I couldn't be more excited for what is to come with this game. The trailer confirmed the location of the rumors that the franchise would be returning to Vice City. It also confirmed that the two protagonists uh, will be centered around Lucia and her boyfriend. Now, a lot of people are saying this is like the first female protagonist in the game's franchise. It's the first like main female protagonist where like the game is centered around because I think back in 2002 when GTA was a 2D game instead of a 3D game, there were playable female characters that you could play as. But I mean, obviously, this is like way bigger to have a main game centered around a female character and her boyfriend. I'm really excited about it. She looks like 
incredible. She's going to be like that. She's going to have that personality that you just love to hang out with. I can't wait for this game, and I'm getting it day one. 2025. I absolutely, I absolutely will be getting it day one as well. I, I watched the trailer right when it came out. Like, GTA's in my blood. You know, I really think this will propel some people we know to be like gamers again. And yeah, Remember GTA is awesome. When we oh, all yeah. would join GTA 4 and we'd oh, hours man. and just joining it. I can't wait. And GTA 5 early, like really yeah, early, early when it first really came early. out. And, you know, I was talking to Dylan about the game. He's pumped about it. And before it was announced, he's like, he was like, I'm really hopeful. Maybe it'll come out in holiday 2024. I said, Dylan, you could be hopeful, but I just don't see there's any way this game comes out in 2024. And he goes, well, they've been working on it for 10 years. I said, I know, but announcing it holiday of 2023, they wouldn't put a one-year tag on it. It's just not enough time to market it. And I said earliest would be spring of 2025. And we don't have an exact day or even time span of when it's coming out in 2025. I'm leaning it'll be in the latter half in holiday 2025. But um, I could be wrong. I'm hoping for spring. But if I had to bet on it, I'd say it's probably in the second half of 2025. I agree. If it was spring 2025, they would have said it, I feel like, because it's coming up. We'd be almost a year away this spring. The fact that there's no tagline on it and it's just the vague 2025, I'm leaning second half. But nonetheless, I'm excited. And I'm sure by then you'll have a console to play it on because I don't think it's going to be made on the Xbox One. No, it's not going to be. It would make the freaking Xbox One explode. Yeah, so. I think. Yes, I will be a new-gen gamer by then, probably well before then. But very excited about it. Knew that would be uh, um, coming soon. But, you know, I don't blame them for being annoyed. That, uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, Frank, that's been a really good three periods of show here talking a little football, a little sadness when it comes to uh, what's going on in the college football playoff, but also hype, plenty of hype, um, lots of good hockey. I think it's time that you make America some money in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> Frank, where's my money, bitch? I haven't had time to upgrade the gra- or update the graphic because of everything that went on today, and I usually do that right before the show. But I will tell you, it was a bad, it was bad week last week. We went one for three. Um, we're well into the forty percent. I'll read it to you here. We're at forty-seven point seven percent, seventy-one for seventy-five with a push. Not too great. But what I think is we could do better this week and we could end 2023 strong. I got four picks tonight. We'll start off with the Thursday night football game tomorrow. Patriots and Steelers. Two bets I like for this game. First, I like it under six and a half for the first quarter at plus 100 for two units. I also like it under 30 and a half at minus 123 for two units. So two units on the under six and a half and two units on the under... 30 and a half for the game. This is on pace to be one of the lowest over-unders in the NFL. It seems easy that there would be 31 points, right? It'd be easy if Iowa would score a touchdown. All they need is one. It'd be, right? That's what everybody thought. It's 31 points. That's easy. It happens all the time. Well, if you really don't know anything about these teams, 
they both struggle to score, and their defenses are pretty good on each side. I also don't know what the weather's projected to be like, like in Pittsburgh, but it's most likely going to be cold, which helps the under as well. So as far as the under 6.5 goes for the first quarter, I don't know, like normally taking unders for the first quarter unless it's 7 or more because you just never know. A lucky turnover leads to 7 points. You fumble it on the 10, and oh, okay, now they're probably going to get a touchdown. So I normally don't like to do that because of how often you could get burned. But at six and a half in this game, it just feels like you gotta. It's it just these teams aren't going to move the ball too often. There might be a couple field goals, yeah, for six. But if you get burned by a touchdown, so be it. But when a total's this low, I, I like the under six and a half for the first quarter, and I like the under thirty and a half for the game. So we're gonna ride ride with it. Um, you know, just I just feel like both teams won't be able to move the ball much, and I just. I'm just going to take my chances here. So two units on the under 30 and a half at minus 123 and two units on the under six and a half for the first quarter at plus 100. Moving to the NHL tonight, Pittsburgh plays Tampa Bay. And I know there was somebody commenting in the chat earlier. Any good bets tonight in the NHL? I'm leaning Golden Knights tonight. Well, I have an NHL bet for you. Shout out, King, if you're still here. Um except it has to do with Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay money line tonight at home against Pittsburgh. I'd put three units on it at the money line at minus 130. The Pittsburgh Penguins had had their problems as late, and I think the Lightning are going to start heating up. Despite despite their bad stretch, they've been on as well. Vasilevsky was great in a shutout performance against the Stars on Tuesday night, and I like him against, and I like him and the Lightning to continue that type of play against the struggling Penguins. Maybe the Lightning fight starting to you know get out of the struggles they've been in but the way Pittsburgh played against Philadelphia last night that was last night or was that Monday that was last night right you're muted but I think you said yes um sorry it was Monday it was Monday okay two days yeah the way they look look pitiful I'll take my chances with the lightning money line minus 130 for three units bet to win three units finally haven't been given the uh, NBA a lot of love and breaking bets because I've just been focusing on the NFL and I we're a hockey show, so I've been doing hockey picks, but I'm going to throw out an NBA pick. I like the Oklahoma City Thunder to beat the Houston Rockets tonight. They're on the road in Houston. Oklahoma City money line minus 135. I'd bet to win two units there. The Rockets are 0-8 on the road this year, but they're 8-1 and at home, and they're home. So you may ask, well, why go against them? They're great at home. Why go against them if they're at home? Well, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and the Thunder are going to want to prove that the future of their team is now, and they're going to want to get this done. The Thunder are miles better on paper than the Rockets, and I think the Thunder get it done tonight and stop the Rockets' eight-game home win streak right in its tracks. So I'm going to lean with the better team here, and I think the Rockets come down to earth tonight. Oklahoma City money line minus 135, bet to win two units. Those are my picks for breaking bets this week. Good luck to anybody that's tailing. Let's get it done. Very good. Very, very good. That is some very, very good betting. I'm still this Juan Soto trade is all but done. So I, I yeah, Cub yet? Yeah, he's not coming to the Cubs. <laughs> uh Craig Kimbrough signed with the Orioles too. Oh really? Yeah. Um so we'll see. By tomorrow, 11 a.m., Crosstown Crosstalk, you can catch us. We're going to have a good episode um, talking about the winter meetings that were. And Frank and I had a good show today here. We're we're just approaching the two-hour mark. Frank has some technology issues that he's going to have to go address right when the show is. I don't even want to, dude. 
So you're going to probably have to, though. So I'm going to let that happen and let you go on the earlier side in terms of where we normally go. But I guess in terms of the fact that we were a little delayed today, we are ending right about the usual time that we normally Yeah, I mean, it's still a two-hour show. Yeah, absolutely. It was plenty of great show. I loved it. Today was freaking awesome. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I hope you did as well, despite oh, the frustrations yeah. away yeah, from... Yeah, for sure. I totally get it. And, you know, the people like Angry Frankie. So why, why don't you give one last screw you technology? Yeah, screw you technology. Shove yeah, it up screw your you ass. technology, asshole. You don't owe me. I pay for you. That's true. You don't that pay for bullshit. me. That so, is true. Technology is kind of like a misbehaved dog. Like it I paid, I paid for you. You are mine. I brought you into this world. Yeah. And they just shove it right up the ass. Right up your hoop. Right up your hoop. Well, Frank, it's been my pleasure hosting this show with you for everything that you do for the show. We are truly, truly grateful. Next Wednesday, we will be right back at it as we get you set for more hockey, more football. No technology problems. No technology problems. Now for sure, Frankie is and probably me now too. Um, (laughs) Thank you to everybody in the chat. What, listening on Spotify, Apple, all of that. We can't thank you enough. Thank you very much as always. Make sure you listen to the rest of the shows here on the Barroom Network, including tomorrow's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk, where, as mentioned before, we will go over the winter meetings once again. Again, thank you to everybody. A lot of news. A lot of news. Make sure you watch plenty of hockey as well. There are four games tonight as well. There's a really good college hockey game on ESPN Plus that you can watch tonight as well. As always, stay hockey, stay family, F technology. To quote a very famous podcaster that I watch every single day, be a friend, tell a friend something nice. It could change their life. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.